When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into A to Z Sports Primetime from the Zen Sports Studios. I'm your host, Buck Rising, and I'm proud, as always, to be presented to you by the people at the law offices of Amanda J. Gentry. Wherever justice demands, Amanda J. and her team are there to protect your constitutional rights. Get the best lawyer in the business at AmandaJGentry.com. Zen Sports, plug in the promo code ATOZTN, and they will get you in on all the action whether it's football, baseball, the NHL, back in action, Zen Sports with that promo code ATOZTN has got you covered. And TrueMath Fitness in the Gulch. The best way to work out, the best workout in Middle Tennessee is TrueMath Fitness. Go to TrueMathFitness.com for your first workout free. So Mike Vrabel is trying to get a message across to his team. Mike Vrabel's trying to get something out of his team. Signs of life, right? Signs of competitiveness, they have been competitive in two games, and they have not been competitive in one. Um, it does feel like to me, you know, you guys know that I'm not I'm not here to make you feel better about anything necessarily. I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm not here to make you feel better. My job is to, you know, to uh, cover your football team, to use what resources I have, what access I have, to, uh, you know, to provide you information and then when I have opinions, obviously, based on the information and the access that I have to formulate those opinions. I'm not here to make you feel bad or good one way or the other. Um, but I do think that the freak out around the football team is a little dramatic. Like, it's week three. You play in the AFC South. You got punked. A lot of people did on Sunday. Now you have the opportunity to get right. Um, I think that... Uh, uh, because John Moore on YouTube asks, do you honestly think we can pull our heads out of our asses and turn this around? Honestly, I mean, what is a turnaround? I still think that you're more than capable of winning the AFC South because the AFC South stinks. You don't have to be a good football team to win the AFC South. Now, you would, I, I think their, argu their argument would be, well, you have to be at least a decent football team to win your division. Okay, they can be a decent football team. They were, They have been a decent football team in two of the three games. Uh, one was a quarterback meltdown. Team wasn't the problem. Sunday was an ass kicking at every level, but special teams. So you know, I mean, I'm not I'm not willing to uh, to sell the farm basically based on one really really poor result uh, because I think that when you look at at a turnaround, what needs to turn around? What can they What can they correct? Well, we talked about some corrections that they can make, some things that we're surprised about, and we'll get to some things that I'm particularly disappointed in that I did not think would be an issue for them that have clearly arisen. But we'll do all of these things together. The first thing that I want to start with, though, is your Two Rivers Ford take on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch. Uh, fair foul. Is Mike Frabel on the hot seat? We can talk about this because I've gotten a lot of questions about it. I've gotten questions about, um, you know, how what would it take for him to be on the hot seat? So, Fair or foul, Mike Vrabel on the hot seat. Let me know in the comments. Now, 
when I ask you this question, I'm not asking you your opinion of whether you think Mike should be on the hot seat. I'm asking you whether you think Mike is on the hot seat from the organization. Not would you put him on the hot seat. Is the organization uh, looking at him and putting him on the hot seat? Now, maybe that's not information that you have access to, but I think that it's those are two different conversations. If you think that the head coach needs to be on the hot seat, you are entitled to that opinion. I'm asking you whether you think your organization is putting him on the hot seat three weeks into the season. We'll talk about it together on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch right after I remind you that your Two Rivers Ford take is, of course, made possible by the great people at Two Rivers Ford. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet, quality American-made Ford vehicles, award-winning customer service. Nobody treats you better as a customer. Nobody makes the car buying experience faster, easier, or more fun than Two Rivers. I'm a Two Rivers Ford customer. DeAndre Hopkins is a member of the Two Rivers Ford team. Coach Mack, Ramon Foster, Don Davenport, so many of millions of Tennesseans who have bought vehicles from Two Rivers Ford, 40 years of doing business, powered by Ford, driven by people. So do you think that the organization has Mike Vrabel on the hot seat? Uh, Don Berta says no. Gene Gray says foul. Jay Woods believes that the organization either does or should. Uh, Gladiator says no, he better not be on the hot seat. Rambo First Blood is going to fence it uh, and say maybe. Uh, he says that uh, Malarkey or Vrabel is Malarkey 2.0. Well, you know that that is an interesting uh, that's an interesting concept. Mike Malarkey. Now, here's the thing about Mike Malarkey. Mike Malarkey was a good coach. Mike Malarkey was an NFL head coach for three different franchises. Now, sometimes dudes, Josh McDaniels, get hired by organizations when they're not qualified or. You know, they've been where they, where they fooled ownership or, you know, Mike, Mike, Mc, not Mike McDaniel, Josh McDaniels, the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders is one of those examples. I think that I think that he is one that uh, is capable of selling a false bi bill of goods and is not actually a good head coach. I think that Tom Brady covered up a lot of bad coaching, uh, a lot of less below average coaching for 20 years in New England. And Josh McDaniels is a product of that. Um. But I think that, uh, you know, I think that the idea that he's Malarkey 2.0, you know, Malarkey, he's, he's not Mike Malarkey in this sense. Mike Malarkey was of a much more old school NFL coaching mentality where Mike's the boss and the players are, you know, not, I don't want to say inferior but they are his uh they are his underlings right mike malarkey is going to be more of a dictator than somebody who operates in a democratic fashion mike vrabel is much more player friendly um mike vrabel is much more adaptable than was mike malarkey mike malarkey had some good moments he also had some moments where he was very stubborn and i think that that is probably the place where Malarkey and Vrabel are the most similar is that there is a degree of stubbornness to them. Now, Vrabel has been right far more often than he's been wrong. Malarkey had really in three different head coaching stints, there was precious little evidence to indicate that Mike Malarkey did a great job in the spots that he landed in. He did well to get the Titans to the playoffs, um, he probably had the best offense 
for Marcus Mariota of any team that 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 he had in that time. Uh, Mike of uh, I don't know if this is a Mike Malarkey burner account. It doesn't. He kind of looks like Mike Malarkey, not really. But Mike says Mike M was a very good coach in person. Um, you know, I know players. I know some players did not like him. Um, now that doesn't mean that he wasn't gonna, a good coach or a good person. There's plenty of good football coaches who aren't good people. There's plenty of good people who aren't good football coaches, right? And just the same as it is for players. Um, but he was, he was, uh, he was solid. I think Mike Malarkey was solid. I think Mike Vrabel is an above average coach. And, and you know, it may not feel like that to you right now. Certainly, losers of nine of their last ten would indicate that something uh, more than just personnel, even if personnel is still their greatest flaw, that something needs to change. But Mike Mike Vrabel is not out there giving up three and a half sacks and a shit ton more pressures to Miles Garrett. Mike Vrabel is not the one allowing Amari Cooper to run for a 43-yard touchdown uh, with coverage bust. Right now, you can say that Vrabel, Vrabel is ultimately responsible for everything that goes right or wrong with this team. I would agree with that assessment. And you know, you should hold him to an account as a result. Um, but I think that, uh, I think that there is, while I understand where there might be some similarities or some parallels that you draw, I don't think, uh, I don't think that, I think that Mike Vrabel is a significantly better coach, significantly better head coach, let me say, than was Mike Malarkey. He's obviously achieved at a higher level, he did what Mike Malarkey was not capable of doing. He did help elevate the roster um, that they had. They went to the AFC Championship game, all of these things, and Mike Vrabel was a big part of that. Now, you know, can you rest on those laurels? Of course not. Vrabel needs to continue to produce, but nobody, uh, it's worth noting that nobody has had as much success in their first couple years uh, with the franchise as Mike Vrabel has, except for Jack Pardee. Jack Pardee, who you have to go back to the early 1960s uh, with the Houston Oilers. Mike Vrabel is winning at it, or has won in his first, this is now six years with the franchise. He has won at a greater rate than anybody in the franchise, anybody who was coached for the franchise, not named Jack Pardee. And again, Jack Pardee, you have to go back to the 1960s. So uh, I think that uh, I think that when you when you look at uh, when you look at Mike Vrabel, I think there are some completely fair criticisms of Mike right now. They have to they uh, you know it's it's the line. They have to play better. They also have to coach better. They got punked uh, on uh, they got punked on Sunday. There's there's no disputing that coaching is a big part of that. But I think that uh, I think that when you look at Vrabel. Fair fallacy on the hot seat. We can talk about that here in just a second, right after I remind you that the primetime show is presented by Zen Sports. Download the app, plug in the promo code ATOZTN, and get in on all the action. 5% cash back, unlimited 5% cash back for your first 15 days of wagering when you plug that promo code in. Terms and conditions to do apply must be 21 or older in Tennessee to bet. Nobody is offering you that kind of Money back. Unlimited 5% cash back is ridiculous. Zen Sports, A-T-O-Z-T-N. Gambling problem? Call the Tennessee Red Line. 1-800-889-9789. So is Mike Vrabel on the hot seat fair or foul? Um, Jacob Ray says the lack of understanding how important the offensive line in line is is the most fireable offense. Well, some somebody did get fired 
for the offensive line situation. I, I is that comment about Vrabel? Because you you did have a firing. You already got somebody who lost their job because of the offensive line situation. John Robinson was fired, not just because AJ Brown dunked on their dunked on their heads uh, when the Titans went to Philadelphia and continues to be um, an incredibly productive player for the Eagles. Traylon Burks is not AJ Brown. You could not. You could not. It's it's an unfair comparison for Traylon to be up against. Unfortunate for him that he was a part of that transaction. Traylon Burks is uh, isn't you know isn't one tenth the player thus far that AJ Brown is and was for Tennessee. Um, so I agree with you that the lack of understanding of uh, or the la- the the inability, not the lack of understanding. Everybody understands that offensive line is important. You don't have to like it's not like anybody. It's not like any. It's not like they intentionally neglected the line. It's that their decisions were bad. The decisions blew up in their face. And for John Robinson, that was a part, a big part of the reason that he was fired. Everybody understands the importance of offensive line. Nobody is denigrating that. Um, And to, to go into this season thinking that your offensive line was going to be dramatically improved. I told you guys this, it's just, it doesn't happen that way. Um, you had two draft picks that you spent on offensive linemen. One of them is obviously starting right away. One of them in Jalen Duncan, uh, you know, probably best projects as a swing tackle uh, at the at the next level and will take more time. They did what they could in free agency. Andre Dillard is the best left tackle option that was available in free agency. Uh, it's a one-year deal, even if it's a three-year deal. The the money, the guaranteed money is is for one. So you knew that it was always going to be a band-aid situation. You knew that it was going to be a gamble. Um, Rand Carthon did, I think, the best job that he could with the offensive line this offseason. And the results are still bad, right? Like the the results are still that they leave you wanting more. And I I mean, you guys may not remember this, maybe some of you do, but I remember warning you very early on, even before training camp. Listen. Just because the names on the back of these jerseys are different than the offensive line that played for you last year does not mean that this is a dramatically improved unit. Um, These are players that were available for a reason. Andre Dillard could not crack Philadelphia's starting lineup with one of the best offensive line coaches in football. Um, Nobody else was going to give Andre Dillard that kind of money. The Titans were the only one that were going to give Andre Dillard that kind of money because they so desperately needed a patch at left tackle. Um, I think that when you, uh, I think that when you look, uh, at the Titans offensive line situation, that if you, if you thought that all of these things were going to be corrected in two years or in an off season, then I think you, you set yourself up for failure that way. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have, uh, I'm not saying that you should have had, that you shouldn't have high expectations. I think Mike Tomlin said this well. When, when fans were booing the offensive coordinator on, what was that, Thursday night football or Monday night football against, against the Browns, they were booing Matt Canada, the OC in Pittsburgh. And Tomlin said after the press conference, he said, it's our job to entertain them. And if we don't entertain them, they're going to find ways to enter, talking about Steelers fans, said, uh, if we don't entertain them, then they're going to find ways to entertain themselves. And they entertain themselves by booing. And that's your right. You, you should have high expectations. But I also think that, you know, it's the job of somebody like me to keep you grounded and make sure that you're realistic with your expectations. And then you can formulate whatever opinion that you want. Realistically, the Titans offensive line group was going to be a tough fix. It's going to be 
a multi-year situation. And I know that's not what you want to hear, but it's something that accumulated over the course of several years. Your offensive line was a depreciating product, but they tried in several years past to address the offensive line. They failed to do so. They failed to effectively replace Jack Conklin. They failed to effectively uh, replace Taylor Lewan. They failed to effectively place uh, replace Roger Saffold. These are uh, these are all things that took several years to take place, and that they spent several years missing on. The result is that it will take several years to build this back up. And I, I'm not saying that you have to be okay with it. I just want you to be aware, right? Microwave results aren't real in in real sports. They are in Madden, where you can. You know, where you can say, oh, well, Andre Dillard's a shitty left tackle. Just throw Skaronsky out there. In Madden, it works. In real life NFL football, it doesn't. And so, um, you know, adjustments are absolutely something that you can expect. They're going to have to find ways to work around their deficiencies. How they do that will be the story of this coaching staff um, this year. How they find ways to work around their deficiencies but to not acknowledge on the front end that they are clearly and obviously deficient on the offensive line. We told you this during training camp. We told you this during the offseason. We told you that this was going to be a slog all year long and you know that you're seeing the dividends of that now in real life actual meaningful games. I think it makes it more real for you even though, you know, I think I think a lot of people have had fair warning for this. William Jones says the problem is that this franchise is too damn cheap. Uh, that is that is a an incorrect narrative. They have paid top of market contracts now for at least one player in every offseason that I have been here in the last seven years. Taylor Lewan was the highest paid NFL lineman in uh, in football history the year that he got his contract. Kevin Byard uh, was a player who reset the safety market. Harold Landry got top of market value uh, as an in-house uh, retention. Bud Dupree got top of market money, even though that signing didn't work out. Uh, Jadavion Clowney got paid well here. Vic Beasley got paid well here. The problem is that their resources were spent in ways that uh, that cost them time. The The signings didn't hit. Um, Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry got one of the better running back contracts that a running back has gotten. I think to acknowledge that, you can, you can say that the money has been spent poorly, but you cannot say that they're not spending money. Uh, that is... That's frankly is just an ignorant comment and ignores everything that they have done. John Robinson, Rand Carthon has now continued that. Jeff Simmons just got one of the biggest contracts in football. Uh, it's so to say that they are cheap uh, is you know is ignoring it. You can be critical of the ways that they have spent their money. You are more than entitled to that. But too cheap is too cheap is something that used to bog this franchise down, and that is something I'm completely willing to acknowledge. But that's a that I think is a lazy narrative that's carried over in ways that are clearly and obviously not true. Um, really in like the last seven years of football. Like I said, you can be pissed how they spent the money. They lit $21 million on fire with the Beasley and Clowney signings to no end, right? They burned a bunch of money signing Bud Dupree. Uh, Taylor Lewan was not worth the contract that he ultimately ended up got getting, but you couldn't predict that Taylor's health was going to fall apart the way that it did. There's been plenty of investments made. The quarterback, as I mentioned, DeAndre Hopkins was an investment. Nobody else was giving Hopkins that kind of money, and you did. So, you, you know, to to make, like I said, you can feel a certain type of way about the spending, but to say that the spending has not been enough, you know, is is obviously an ignorant comment. And I think anybody that's paid attention to the football team would 
would be willing to acknowledge that. Uh, the uh, A to Z Sports Primetime is presented by uh, the people at TrueMath Fitness of the Gulch. Go get the best workout in Middle Tennessee at TrueMathFitness.com. Your best workout with the best coaching staff, the best facility. Group classes are awesome. Personal training is my favorite. And you can always get a membership to work out at their facility as you please. TrueMathFitness.com. Your first workout is free as a Middle Tennessee resident. TrueMath Fitness in the Gulch. So uh, as we talk about the message that was received or the message that Mike Vrabel wanted to send, this was Mike Vrabel at the podium on Monday kind of detailing how he was going to deal with the players moving forward. And, you know, when you gathered the guys around, uh, what, what was your primary message that you wanted to, them to take away? Well, that this is, um, you know, when you when you play like that, uh, you, you're going to you're going to lose. You're going to get beat. Uh, so we have to understand that we, we have to realize why it is you know, that we lost and also realize um, that you can define your culture by what you look like when when things aren't great, when things don't go well. And uh, yesterday they didn't go very well, and we'll find out, you know, what kind of football team we have this week, and what kind of individuals, what type of people we have here, which I believe in, and, and who we are. So, you know, that was my message. It was, you know, wouldn't have a whole lot to say. Give them all credit. Uh, get back to work, and, and don't think that anybody uh, did enough to to help us win. So Mike Vrabel's message there is: we're going to find out what kind of team we have, and you know, he said that before. The last time he gave one of those comments, and I think this is worth noting because how the how the football team responds is now going to be something that we uh, that we track on a regular basis. Um, the last time Mike Vrabel gave one of those comments was in Philadelphia. I was obviously at the game because you guys know I'm at, I'm at every I'm at every Titans game, home, away, preseason, or playoffs. That's you know that's what they pay me to do. So I uh, I remember being in the Philadelphia media. Uh, post-game interview room for for the visiting media and for the visiting team. And Mike Vrabel gave those comments about being at a crossroads, right? Now, they hadn't they hadn't started to slide dramatically yet. Um, but this was after Philadelphia. This was after A.J. Brown spanked their ass. This was, I think, the Sunday before John Robinson got fired on a Monday. And looking at uh looking at um you know how they responded after the fact they didn't respond well right they didn't win a game uh after green bay and they they had uh they had the green bay packers game they then i want to look i'm going to pull up the schedule just to make sure because philadelphia was when we had the crossroads conversation but i believe that there was a home game between the uh between the Eagles game. I want to say that they lost a close one to the Bengals after beating the Packers, but I will double check on the schedule uh, from last season for you guys. Yes. So looking at the schedule, they did lose uh, by four. They lost by four to Cincinnati. Then they lost by 25 at Philadelphia. And Vrabel got up there in front of us and said, well, we're at a crossroads. We need to figure out what kind of team we are. And then what did they do? They got their asses kicked at home by Jacksonville. And I think we all knew what kind of team they were. They were a team that wasn't going to be able to, you know, realistically compete. Uh, They did lose close games to the Chargers and the Texans. Um, Jacksonville was also a close loss. It was 20 to 16 in the season finale. Um, But the season, the season, you know, it felt like they, Mike Vrabel gave that crossroads speech to us and the speech to the players 
and then they fell off a cliff. So, you know, that we're doing this in week three is telling that, you know, going to find out what kind of team you are when a significant amount of adversity is hit. You just got your ass kicked. You just got punked. How does it taste? You're going to you're gonna take it lying down. You're going to be like Andre Dillard. You're going to take some constructive criticism about how you got your ass kicked after the game. You're going to come back and slap somebody in the face next game. Um, they, they, the thing about this year's team that I think is concerning is that on the, the offensive line, they lack a certain kind of intensity that, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what's in these guys' heads, right? I only know them. This, well, this is a, a very new group to me. I've spent most of my career covering the same offensive line group for the Titans. So this is really the first new Titans offensive line that I've covered since I've been here in the last, uh, this will be my eighth year in Tennessee. There's a, uh, like Andre Dillard, you know, doesn't have that dog in him discussion. I think that's a fair discussion to have. I think Daniel Brunskill takes his job very seriously. I also think that Daniel Brunskill is not a very good player. I think that Chris Hubbard is a very, very good professional offensive, a, a good locker room presence and a good veteran presence to have. I also think that there's a reason that Chris Hubbard hasn't been a full-time starter since 2019. Uh, Brewer, I don't think is a problem. We know his size deficiencies, but I think at center, those those are a lot easier to overcome. And I think that Skaronsky is going to end up being a really good player for you. Everything else, though, right now is, is flying by the seat of your pants. And I think that, uh, you know, as Lewis says, it's not over. They're st- the Titans are still alive. And, I, yeah, I completely acknowledge that. I, as, as long as you play in the AFC South, you, you continue. You continue to have hope. Whether you feel that you have hope or not is a different discussion. But, um, you know, the existence of your division means that you're really not ever out of this, uh, of, of this, this season. Um, the Colts at, uh, what are the Colts right now? Are they two and one? The Colts right now at two and one are leading the AFC South. The Jags, you and the Jags are trailing and the Texans just got their first win of the season. So I think that when you look at the AFC South, it's going to continue to be competitive. Uh, Nick Rogers says, I have more hope in Houston than I do in, well, yeah, I mean, listen, Nick, that's fair. CJ Stroud is legitimately good. CJ Stroud is going to be a good player. CJ Stroud is going to cause you a lot of problems for a lot of years, right? You you don't have that kind of player. Uh, you don't have that kind of reason to hope right now. But also, the Texans are not going to win the division this year. They're going to be up against it. Their defense has obvious deficiencies. D'Amico Ryans is going to work to fix that. It's not, it's not something he's going to be able to do in just one year. Will Anderson is a really, really nice player. Will Anderson is also not going to be able to win them games by himself. The reason that the Colts won a game, for example, with Gardner Minshew at quarterback, they had an exceptional performance from their kicker. And as Bert, I'm sure, will tell you, is that I, I watched that game back uh, this afternoon, as a matter of fact. There was a horrendous missed pass interference penalty at the end of the game that would have given the Ravens the win. The Ravens would have won that game um, had, the play, had the penalty been called. And what ultimately happened, uh, Bert adds plus a face mask, what ultimately happened is the refs didn't call it. The Colts went on to win the game. They had a great performance by the kicker, and they were good enough on that day with some help from the officiating to get their first uh, to get a, a road win where Lamar Jackson honestly played pretty well. Uh, they they turned the ball over. Uh, the Ravens could not 
hang on to the ball. And it's rare that you see Tucker miss anything, even if it was a 61-yarder. But, uh, you know, the, the Colts were the beneficiary of a, uh, of a good situation, and they capitalized on it, to their credit. The Titans were the beneficiary of a good situation in Week 2. They got punked in Week 3. And how they respond to that remains to be seen. But, you know, I think that I think the drama, uh, I think the drama right now from Titans fans is a little, you know, is a little, uh, it's a little over-exaggerated. Like, I, you, you're allowed to be pissed. You're allowed to be upset. You're allowed to want better from your football team. I'm not telling, that you, telling you that you shouldn't. You absolutely should. Uh, but, you know, three weeks into a football season is not, is not the time to be burning things down the way that many of you seem to want to, even as I understand why you want to. And I, and I get it. You want a reason to be excited. You want to see better offensive football. And you did not get that on Sunday. What you got was a clown show, uh, offensively and defensively. Uh, it's a clown show for sure. But I think that, uh, I think that, you know, um, you have to understand that these things are going to happen from time to time and that you've had a, a, a pretty good run of success a lot of NFL teams go through this transitional process. This is a very much a transitional time for the Tennessee Titans. How they manage it remains to be seen. We always knew that this was going to be the case. Uh, Max Photography says, uh, says I've seen bad officiating so far. Yeah, I, that's why That's why when Jeff Simmons was bringing up the officiating in the postgame afterwards, we were all kind of looking and we were, you know, like, it's fair. Like Jeff, Jeff's not wrong. They had some poor calls go against them. Browns also had some poor calls. They should have had Amari Cooper should have had another touchdown. They blew dead, right? Browns, Browns were victimized by a bad call in that game. Uh, Saints were victimized by bad calls in the game. The same, same way that the Titans were. Uh, I thought that, uh, I thought, I don't remember anything egregious happening against the Chargers that was missed by the officials, but they, these things happen in every NFL game. So when Jeff is talking about officials, with us after the game, it's just kind of like, yeah, okay, but it's it's going to happen to everybody. You have to, it's it's not an excuse that anybody's interested in, right? Officials may win or lose you a game from time to time, but it's not anything that's worth discussing because there's nothing you can do about the officials. Uh, Eric Alonzo says Saints weren't robbed of a touchdown, Buck. Yeah, but they uh, there was a, a missed pass interference on Elijah Molden late in that game that I thought was garbage. Um, Elijah Molden, Molden absolutely should have been called for a PI late. That's one that jumps to mind based on how they were calling pass interference during that game, that they didn't flag Elijah Molden worked in your favor, but, but was also a bad call by the refs. Like these things happen. I don't know that they were robbed of a touchdown the way that Cleveland was, but, um, yeah, certainly uh, the refs missed calls on the saints, just as they missed calls on the Titans. These, these things, these things happen, um, you know, throughout the course of the NFL season. It's infuriating, I'm certain. And But unfortunately, there's nothing that can be done about the refs. Uh, Myron Harris says, should there be a quarterback change? That was a good question. Um, well, no. Why would there be a quarterback change? What are you, what's, what's changing the quarterback going to do? I, and, you know, obviously, Myron can't respond to me in real time. So, you know, take, take your time if you want to, Myron, and I'll try and stall uh, as you uh, as you type out a response but like what are you going to accomplish by changing the quarterback uh, there's there's nothing there that would indicate that the quarterback is the reason I mean New Orleans you lost the game because of the quarterback that's completely fair uh, Los Angeles you won the game because of the quarterback Jeff Simmons made some good plays in that game Harold Landry had a clutch play late but uh, yeah I I mean, changing the quarterback accomplishes absolutely nothing in week three other than for you to wave the white flag 
and decide that you're done with your football season, which of course is something that, uh, which of course is something that your coaching staff is not going to do. So we will, uh, we will get to the thing that has been the biggest letdown thus far on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. MK Zipper Club says Buck is a team man. He won't go against the team PR. Uh, well, you know, I, I, uh, I cover the Tennessee Titans. I am around the football team every day in some capacity. And I don't work for the team, but I acknowledge that the team is directly how uh, I, you know, how I have a job. Now, do I do I not go against the team PR? Well, of course I do all the time. That's why I don't. It's why when they asked me if I wanted to fly on the team plane for games, I said no. It's a conflict of interest. It's why when your football team sucks. Now I know that I've seen MK in here enough to know that he's not a Titans fan. I can't remember exactly uh, what the comments are, but I, you know, the reality is, and I think this is the biggest issue that Titans fans have with me is I don't give a shit. What happens uh, to your football team? My job is to cover it and to discuss it and to give to give realistic analysis. The realistic analysis is that they benefit none by changing the quarterback three weeks in. Uh, if you think that goes against team PR or if you think that is because, you know, I was sent some kind of edict from team PR, no, it's got nothing to do with that. It's That's the reality of the situation. That's how your coaching staff is going to approach it. And that is the, uh, you know, that's that is the most realistic outcome. My opinion on it is also that they benefit none from changing the quarterback. Now, you can think that that's aligned with the team if you want to, but I, uh, I don't necessarily think that... Uh, well, you may not be familiar with my body of work. So perhaps uh, perhaps you, you are entitled to your opinion. Your opinion just happens to be wrong at this point. In fact, you know, people like Mr. Jones accuse me all the time of being a, a Colts plant because I look like Andrew Luck and I was born in the state of Indiana. <laughs> but uh, I think that... I think that uh, the rest of it is just uh, a little bit nonsensical. Real is finding out if Levis is something or not. Well, Levis is third-string quarterback, so it wouldn't be Levis. Um, it wouldn't be Levis if they made a quarterback change and beat Malik. So, again, you're either not paying attention to what we're talking about or, you know, you're just saying shit to say shit, which, you know, is, is fine. That's what the comment section is there for. <laughs> it doesn't mean that it's right. Uh, okay, so we uh, what's the biggest letdown so far from the Titans through these three games on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch. We'll talk about it together right after I remind you that the Primetime Show is presented by the great folks at the law offices of Amanda J. Gentry. They are there to protect your constitutional rights. AmandaJGentry.com is where you go to find out more about Amanda and her team practicing in Tennessee family and criminal courts for 35 years in the state of Tennessee, or excuse me, in 35 counties, not 35 years, in 35 counties in the state of Tennessee, AmandaJGentry.com is where you go for the best protection out there. Uh, what's the thing that most uh, that most underwhelmed you thus far? Uh, William Jones says Andre Dillard. Uh, said Morrow says I'm hopeful for Crookshank. Uh, well, they did put they did put two guys on IR today. They put Mike Brown on IR today. Um, so Dane Crookshank did come back on the practice squad. We'll see how quickly he gets integrated back into the lineup. Fulton, says Max Mila, is the thing that has disappointed him the most. Ryan Fields says, uh, biggest letdown is Will Levis lost his girl to a country singer. Yeah, you know, I've seen that out there. I Listen, I'm not, the the most TMZ shit that I'm willing to do is, um, is the Kelsey Taylor Swift thing. I have no idea if that Levis rumor has any fact to it. Um, you know, frankly, I don't, I don't really care. What, 
like that would be of course horrible if that happened to anybody um if uh if that was a situation that did in fact happen, but there's been, you know, there's been nothing credible other than it's just something that people have been saying on the internet. So, you know, if that's going on in Levis's personal life, that's fine. It doesn't, I don't think it impacts the analysis one way or the other. Uh, Myron Harris says, uh, yeah, Fulton agreed. That's, that's what it is for me. Um, Fulton is the most disappointing thing to me for sure. Christian Fulton when healthy was their best corner. Christian Fulton, you know, has already been not healthy through the course of three games, which is disappointing in and of itself, disappointing for him too. But his play, obviously, is the thing that stands out. I got hurt in week one and has struggled since then. He missed the, 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 the game that they won, and he was a problem in this most recent game that they lost. He wasn't the only problem. He was a big problem. For Christian Fulton, he's in a contract year, and I think it's not for him. I mean, it's money is always important. You don't want to dismiss the idea that money is important in this situation. Of course it is. But I think for Christian Fulton, you know, he's trying to prove something to you. He's trying to prove something to, to the coaching staff. He's trying to prove something to his team. And thus far, he's been unable to do it. I'm sure he's it's driving him crazy. Um, I'm sure it's making him in, making him insane. I'm sure that he wants to play. I know he wanted to play in the Chargers game. They wouldn't let him. And I think that the the thing for Christian Fulton, you know, the season is not lost yet. Like I said, it's weeks. It's three weeks in, so nothing is lost yet. Christian Fulton can still find ways to rebound, but through the first three weeks, I think of anything on defense that your best corner, the guy who was your best corner when he was available going, you know, turning around and putting out performances like this that are legitimately a problem. That, I think, is the most disappointing thing so far. I, I knew Andre Dillard was always going to be suspect. You know, I, I whether you guys believed it when we were telling you that in training camp, whether you guys were convinced that a fresh start might give Dillard a better opportunity, I, I thought that Andre Dillard was going to be a problem all year long. Uh, you don't last this long in the league, five years, without getting really a, an opportunity to start if you're a if you're a player who has true upside. Andre Dillard has not lived up to his pedigree um, as a first-round draft pick. He has fallen short of expectation now in multiple stops. So Andre Dillard being a disappointing player is not a surprise. Fulton is legitimately a surprise. Fulton is legitimately a surprise. Fulton is legitimately disappointing. And I think that, uh, you know, I think that is a situation that there's only so much that's within his control. His health is not within his control. I think he did as much as humanly possible. I know he did as much as humanly possible to make sure that his health wasn't an issue. And immediately in the first game, it pops up. So, you know, the job is to produce. He hasn't been able to do so through three games or through two games and missed one uh, with the injury. For for Christian Fulton, I think, you know, everybody can acknowledge that it's been a disappointing start for Christian Fulton this year. All right, let's do a uh, gone viral video before we wrap things up. What's the best thing you saw on the internet this weekend? Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch. We'll talk about it together right after I remind you that the primetime show. Oh, we didn't decide on a uh, free site video, did we, Bert? Um, well, that's fine. We, uh, we can talk about... 
what it, what was the best thing you saw on the internet this weekend? I don't see my video in here, but that may be because I forgot to tell Bert what I wanted. Either way, we will uh, we will talk about these things together right after I remind you that the Primetime Show is presented by the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage. GaryAshton.com is where you go for your dream address. Without the stress, the Intel Edge you need to succeed can be found with the Ashton team. Go to GaryAshton.com for more information. Uh doesn't say you are on Facebook, Buck. That's why I'm, that's why you're what? You didn't finish your comment. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't, A to Z is apparently having issues streaming. Uh, apparently a lot of people are having issues with Facebook recently, but uh, yeah, I know A to Z is also having issues live streaming to Facebook. That is what I was told on Saturday night before we did the live stream show on Sunday. So uh, you know as much as I know uh, as, as far as Facebook goes. If, once we get the Facebook thing, Figured out. I'm sure you will receive a notification. I'm sure that Austin and Zach and whoever is responsible for such things at this point in the company's uh, life lifespan are working diligently to correct the problem. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on with Facebook. That's above my pay grade. Um, B French says, "Where's Bert? Haven't seen Bert in a long time. Is he okay? He literally was just on camera last night. He does it every Monday night. So that's on you." Uh, I think that uh, the best thing that I saw on the internet this weekend was absolutely Josh Dobbs. Greg Herrera says it best. Cowboys losing to the Cardinals and Josh Dobbs VFL out there dicing them up. Josh Dobbs getting an opportunity to be a starting quarterback, getting his first career win as a starting quarterback against a defense that I thought might be the best in football. Prior to watching, seeing the Browns in real life, Cowboys were a really, really good defense through the first two weeks. Now, obviously, Trayvon Diggs, uh, them losing Trayvon Diggs for the season is a substantial, but their front got schooled by the Arizona Cardinals in ways that I did not think were uh, were possible. Josh Dobbs is the best thing that I saw this weekend uh, on the uh, on the uh, from the NFL slate. The other thing that I did not see but that I heard about after the fact was Hugh Freeze being asked questions about the way that Auburn lost this weekend to Texas A&M. And it was funny to see this exchange between Hugh Freeze and reporters. I don't know how long it took him. I don't know what it take him three years or so to to get there or four years. I, I don't know. Some of y'all could to do the research, but his second year. Whew. That's I don't know that that's accurate, but um, uh, anyway, so um, he did it pretty fast. Then so that's that's pretty impressive. It's even more impressive. <laughs> that's you freeze talking about Kirby smart. You know, how long did it take Kirby smart to, uh, to win a championship and, uh, being told in real time that it took him his second year to get to the national championship game. And Hugh freeze immediately saying, oh, I don't know that that's accurate when it very obviously is. It was hilarious. See, the only thing funnier than that was Sean Payton getting punked, uh, this weekend because Sean Payton, who said that the Denver Broncos had one of the worst coaching jobs in NFL history last year, just lost in historic fashion, historically embarrassing, or Sean Payton's Broncos on Sunday. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it's uh, a lot harder to point the figure, finger at Nathaniel Hackett when you're on the other side of that and when your team is the one that's struggling. Uh, I think that uh, uh, Rambo says another reason to dislike Vrabel at this point, letting Dobbs walk. That's not a Mike Vrabel decision. That is a uh, general manager decision. So I, you know, you can be pissed at Vrabel about that if you want to, but. Uh, the person, the person who brought Josh Dobbs in <clears throat> got, uh, let go. 
not not uh, not Robinson. Um, for those of you who remember Ryan Cowden for his time with your organization, Ryan Cowden signed Josh Dobbs and then was not retained in his role. He now works for the New York Giants. Um, so you know you can be pissed at Rand for not keeping uh, for keeping for not keeping uh, Cowden and then not keeping Dobbs as a result. That was a Ryan Cowden decision, not a Rand Carthon decision. Rand Carthon's decision was to let Josh Dobbs walk and uh, let Ryan Cowden go. So that is uh, who could have predicted Josh Dobbs. I mean, I don't know that you could have predicted it. He's been in the league for a long time, and he's not really had a good opportunity to start. Fatty Matty says uh, Stillman thinks he should be GM. Um, Well, Jared thinks a lot of things that are (laughs) bullshit, but that's why we love Jared, because he says things that are ridiculous, and then... We can all point and laugh at him together, and he'll get a reaction that he wants out of it. And I say this is Stillman is uh, a good friend of mine, um, but you know, and I, Stillman is a good friend of mine, and I also tell him regularly that he's everything that I hate about sports talk, <laughs> which I say from a place of love, even, even though it doesn't sound like a nice thing to say to your friend. Uh, Jared, <laughs> Jared does drive me insane with the way that he goes about things because you know I think Jared does things a certain way, and uh, you know it's not the way that I think. Not that I'm, you know, not that I get to decide how sports talk is done, but, you know, Jared, uh, Jared's approach has always been interesting to me. It's always been funny to me. Um, maybe interesting is the wrong word. All right. That's going to do it for us tonight on the primetime show. Thanks for hanging. Be back at it tomorrow on uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch. We'd be happy to have, well, not Facebook. I keep saying that because I've been saying that for five years now, but Facebook, we will figure out for you at uh, apparently a later date. Radio show tomorrow from 10 to 1 on 104.5 The Zone. We'll have a good time. We'll talk some balls. We'll uh, hear from Mike Vrabel and Ryan Tannehill. Titans back on the practice field tomorrow. We will uh, enjoy spending those three hours with you uh, on the radio and then do another primetime show tomorrow night. Have a great rest of your evening, and I will talk to you tomorrow at some point.